Looks like we're live. I think we're live. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Smart Home Stupid People episode two. I'm sweating a little. Um, we just uh, started a second stream and the first one broke apart horribly. And Madeline was talking into the wind for about eight minutes. <laughs> Before, you know, three minutes of which we were probably live with a still picture and then we realized it wasn't going to work. Yeah, well. That's how things are sometimes. That's true. It's actually pretty late for us. Um, our eye eyelids are kind of slowly going down. It's 10 o'clock p.m. for us. But we wanted to stream Sunday at a later time to try and capture more of uh, the American audience, uh, the English-speaking audience, and um, to hopefully see some of you guys in the chat today. We'll see. We are live with DLive, with Twitch, with Rumble, and Rockfin today. <laughs> exactly. And uh, YouTube, we're not doing YouTube. We decided not to because we've had too many problems with them. And so we're just not going to pay attention to them. That's it. Easy going. Yep. Today's about misconception. Um, misconception from the form, like in, in, the, in, the, in the way of uh, biology, building automation, and honestly, really, it's kind of something that you can pretty much apply to anything, but I think it's a really good place to start since, you know, considering the last episode was really just our hello world to express what we kind of have in our mind and what we want to bring to the world. Um, so do you want to kick it off? How do you, how do you feel about this? <laughs> now we're still trying to catch our breath from the, 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 weird, the weird phenomena we just had. I just talked eight minutes in the wind, so <laughs> no, I can I can start. Yes, so misconception. We we thought about this from a you know from Iris point of view as a programmer and home automatization. What misconceptions people have about a smart home? What does it actually means to have or live in a smart home? But also from my point of view, uh, biology and actually working as a biologist. What does that really mean? And what kind of misconceptions people have about biologists. Um, and yeah, I, I think from my experience, and I'm now working as a biologist almost like, like 15 years, I don't know. Kind of. Actively, yeah. Actively. Yeah. Uh, I'm almost 40 now, so I finished my my, my studies when I was like mid-20-something. And I always wanted to become a biologist because I wanted to learn about nature and how everything works, how animals work, how they behave, all that. And, and so, how, how's, how's that working out for you now as a <laughs> as a as a biologist? Uh, you know, moving into her senior years. Well, I'm still interested in all these things, but basically, I'm I'm working on it as in a in a side way. You know, it's like it's kind of a hobby for me. Um, in my work, I'm I'm now as a I'm kind of CEO. How does that say? Like a di director of a foundation. Yeah. Where my basic task is to lead the business. So I'm a business woman. I would say now it's it's it has to do with biology. You know, it's like an overall biological topic. But it's just very different tasks, and I didn't learn anything about this uh, from you know of this in in my studies. So it's about leading people and leading a company mm. and really talking to people, generating money and all that. So I'm more in, into the business area right now, which I also kind of like. But I have to have the other part in my life about you know reading about. Mm, animals or just being an outside in nature. And I think that's a big misconception many people have about biologists that we are, you know, the the people jumping with our little net and trying to catch butterflies and <laughs> from, you know, just like all these little flowers and yeah. just every day being outside. I mean, it's, it's like that in the beginning for a while. Uh, not even that. Uh, when I studied, maybe we, I was still, um, well, maybe you have to to, uh, explain a little broader. In Germany, we used to have a different education system with uh, called diploma, which is even more than a master's degree, and uh, which meant that we had actually a lot of time being on excursions, really have practical uh, trainings. And I had a very, very good education. And the German education system was really uh, 
really looked up to in the world. But then mm. I don't know why uh, the Germans thought, oh, well, we have to keep up with with the others, the English, and to just like, you know. Yeah, well, that, that, that's the thing is, I mean, I could tell you why right away. Um, they changed the educational system here in order to compete with yeah. the rest of the Western world. Absolutely. Which yeah. makes zero sense because the entire German system is subsidized. So why the fuck would we want to compete with the rest of the world when it's all subsidized to begin with? So it's it's a, it's a strange concept, but that's what happened. Yeah, and it's gone to shit. It's since gone then. to yeah. yeah. Because we had a we had a really good education system, and I was lucky that I was one of the last people actually um, having a diploma degree, and it's it's seen as something very uh, very like a very good education in the world. And now we we kind of switched to master's bachelor in a very short time period, and it just it just was a catastrophe. I was there, I seen it. I was at that transition. Mm -hmm. I was already teaching myself, and so I just saw how many of the practical training was actually taken away from the students because they had to fill much more into shorter time. And just coming back to that, yeah, we had our excursions. We learned about flowers and different plants and also we had behavioral ex exercises with you know sitting in a zoo <laughs> these kind of things but it's it was far from what I expected uh, it was a lot of time in the laboratory it was a lot about chemistry a lot about uh, physics and mathematics in the beginning all the stuff that I didn't really liked but I ha hang hang on uh, hang, hang in on it, yeah. I hang yeah because I just want to become a biologist and I hope for better times <laughs> um, and even in in the later later time uh, you could choose between the different directions you could, we could I focused on behavioral biology so I had a lot about a lot of courses about ecology and all that, mm -hmm. where I also went out of my way. I spent a, a, a semester in Tasmania, so I went uh, to study abroad because I knew that um, in other universities in different countries, they actually focus more on the on the practical side. So in Tasmania, the university, we really went out for weeks into the wilderness and we really studied animals. We were mm -hmm. like tracking the, um, what is that? The, uh, oh, the tracks. The, the tracks yeah. and just really camping outside. We went to the lake and the ocean and we're fishing and really yeah. doing that diversity study. So that was biology for me. I really enjoyed it. And if I would have not had, if I wouldn't have been so expensive, I would have stayed there forever. <laughs> and uh, But coming back to Germany, I just saw the difference. We were way more... Uh, uh, like uh, oriented on uh, and focused on lectures and very theoretical stuff. So that was a mm. big misconception. I think many people still have that biology is a lot about, you know, just being outside. Um, it's, it's, it's just a very tiny part. And if you want to want to work in that part, you have to really look for jobs as a bot botanist where you, you know, go out and map flowers and all that but it's 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 a it's a very uh, hard job and also not really paid well and the other thing i wanted to add on that is uh, as um so i'm a biology a behavioral biologist and to get a grant for pure behavioral biology is actually nowadays impossible i would say because you know, observing animals is not a method anymore people will pay you for because <laughs> there are many other things out there like population genetics like, yeah, just, just more biochemistry methods that allow you to look way deeper into cells, even the DNA, maybe even reconstructing DNA, manipulating. Yeah, and biology is, is becoming more of a computer job. Yeah, and sure. this is where yeah. also the money goes. Uh, in, and it's in so programming, far from in, reality. Absolutely. I, in, I know some people who never seen the organisms they study in, <laughs> in real life. You know, they, they have cells in the laboratory um, of fish, of I don't know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Not even having, you, you can't sometimes even see the things you're working with. If you're really just population genetics, you get a little sample that says, you know, this is the DNA of an elephant. And you don't see anything, just like a liquid, uh, you know. Yeah. yeah, that's it. And <laughs> I, that's why I really wanted to to become like a behavioral biologist to see an animal and to really observe it in its natural environment without uh, into disturbing. So yeah, yeah, I kind of had to realize um, that it's 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 yeah, it's actually not not easy to really find a job that allows you to do these things. So that's the biggest misconception about being a biologist. You would say is is the fact that biology is actually a computer job today. 
Yeah, I would say maybe it's it was a misconception for me. Back at least then. in Germany. At least in Germany. Yeah, yeah. In Germany. I mean, we don't have really wilderness anymore. <laughs> All of our country is. That's a different thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, it's culturally formed, and all the the most of the forests that we have and the land is you know formed so many times i don't i don't see any wilderness really left there no no it's nothing like if if yeah. for for all of you american canadian or even russian people out there listening to this uh the wilderness that's experienced over there is nothing like here it's it's a very german wilderness is very sterile and um the germans have appointed a lot of people to keep it that way in the sense that when um, populations of rabbits, as Madeline has uh, experienced and uh, expressed in the last episode, when they grow to be too strong or uh, too densely populated in certain areas, they're immediately eliminated and the numbers are brought down. The same thing with the wild boars, with the deers, with the hares. Um, if there's a wolf, God foresee, you know, like, I mean, if there's a wolf, they'll just shoot them on sight pretty much, depending on what province you're in over here. But for the most part, they're not tolerated. Bears, I mean... They, they 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 say for some reason some people think that Berlin is named like it's it's about a like they think like the mascot for Berlin is a bear, but it's kind of like a tribute to what used to may have been here at one point. <laughs> they don't got anything like that anymore. I can't even think like what other real wildlife do we have here that's bigger than a puppy dog? You know, like yeah, you got foxes. Yeah, well, we have uh, in some of the right? areas uh, called Eifel and uh, I think Bayerischerwald, um, the Bavarian forest, mm -hmm. they are still wild, wildcats and oh, lynx. Really? I didn't know that. Uh, some all that. And of course, we have deers and... and Where the mountains are, absolutely. Forests. Uh, yeah. yeah, but also with the wolf populations, it's, uh, it's coming back. It's a big, big discussion um, topic the last couple of years about the wolves. Whether they should be... Yes, and and how to deal with them? They come from from the east part in in Europe uh, over to to Germany, and yeah. they've uh, populated. Uh, you know, they they, <laughs> they they got their numbers up uh, in the Chernobyl area, <laughs> where where, yeah. hu where humans were you know gone for a while, and and then now that they've uh, developed their immunities to that type of radiation, they're wandering over westward. Yeah, I don't know if they're from that part, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's actually another cool topic to talk about. Yeah, it is but. actually. Um, yeah, but today it's about misconception. Misconception, exactly. Um, yeah. To tell you the truth, the uh, the the um, misconception, as Madeline has properly illustrated, um, as a biologist in the world of biology, and sorry, I just got to say, I'm, I'm I'm moving around a lot today. I I, I pulled a kind of broke my collarbone. I have I pulled a tendon out and my ankle as well, so I'm wearing this funny little brace right now. So I was spiking and I jumped and I didn't land properly. Um, but that was a week ago. That's why we didn't go live last week as well. So right now I'm just in this constant state of, it's not pain, but it's this weird discomfort that I have to just constantly move around and play with, you know, my position here. Yeah, last week at that time, you were still at the hospital? No, you yeah, oh, that, you know what? <laughs> we could do an entire episode just on the experience at the hospital alone. It's absolutely insane. Like the in, in Germany, um, the hospital is called Krankenhaus and it translates directly to sick house <laughs> right sick people house <laughs> no, well, house for sick people well there's no people involved in the word but i mean the word directly translates to no, sick house yeah but but the uh, kranke uh, is i guess a, you can say kranke is, yeah. as, as in the people who are sick nevertheless yeah. it implies sickness in the house <laughs> and um it's it's not like the word healing or like at least in english we have hospital so it's kind of like you know you feel that there's some type, of, some type of hospitality <laughs> expected not like that um, and so what happens is uh, well you know what that'll be on the next episode but uh, it wasn't uh, wasn't the most pleasant of experiences let's put it that way so uh we're gonna try and actually put out a, a, a video cast every weekend or at least once a week um if we can manage it we're gonna do it more um but last week was a fallout because of that. So I was on the couch over here for a while. <laughs> and uh, no, that being said, I want to talk again, uh, misconceptions. The It's actually really not just about biology or um, building automation. For me, it's also just misconceiving anything in reality, anything in life, anything. Specifically, when something is misconceived, then the environment that you expect is obviously not what, um, what, what you're preparing yourself for. And for that reason... 
from a biological point of view, from uh, many point of views, would it be ethical or whether it be um, just physical, you know, when you're preparing yourself for something and you show up there and it's not what was expected, you know, you show up there with summer clothing and it's cold, you know, uh, the, these misconceptions create uh, what, what is called as a lot of stress. And these stresses are often not necessary. And at the same time, um, there are better ways to go around them, right? And so what I wanted to kind of express was, um, in my industry, I think one of the worst things that happened was Iron Man. Iron Man was that uh, funky movie that, uh, you know, Marvel-based that came out years back. And uh, as soon as Ar Iron Man came out, the amount of customers that wanted shit to move in and out of their walls <laughs> was just absurd. You know, people wanting to all of a sudden control everything by voice. Um, I had a drunk Russian customer a while back who definitely wanted this. He didn't want to have a key anymore. He wanted to talk to his door and ask his door to open. <laughs> and uh, he showed up at home one day drunk and um, he was slurring and couldn't speak English properly to begin with and couldn't open his door. And so he started calling every single contractor in the middle of the night, yelling at them why his system sucks and how he's not paying them. So... Um, Misconception. I want to actually go back uh, and express a little bit what is a smart home. So it's actually uh, it's 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 one of these things because it seems more and more. Yeah, well, someone someone's uh, saying something over there. I don't know what that is. Um, uh, exactly. In smart homes, you think that yeah, everything works and everything is in front of you and everything is just uh, going to do what you will and everything is just going to be fancy, right? Um, the truth of the matter is, is that there are many different levels of what you may call smart home. And I'm going to start with the concept of building automation, right? Building automation is actually very simple. It, classically, I'm going to share my screen over here. Classically, you have this simple light switch setup where you would have you know, power coming in from your distribution panel to your light switch, from your light switch to the light bulbs, and your light switch would cut the power on and off to the light bulbs. End of story. Um, what's been done is over here, at least in Germany, and I'm going to explain the differences between the North American version of what we call smart home building automation and European version. In the European version of bus automation, we have a standard over here that's called KNX, which was based off of an EIB standard that was created like 30 years ago. And it's a very simple system. I mean, it's a bus system, right? So that means that it's sending ones and zeros down the line and things are responding accordingly. Um, quite simply, to talk about from uh, uh, an infrastructure point of view, we have, instead of the light bulb, as we've expressed over here, being turned on and off by the switch being toggled, the light bulbs, all the wires to the lights in the building are wired directly from the light bulbs to the distribution panel. They're no longer wired to the lighting switches. And then from the distribution panel, you pull this green cable that you can see here to where all the switches would typically be. And then the switches are essentially digital devices that then tell in the distribution panel what are called actuators. Actuators are essentially like a box that has, you know, sometimes 16 in Germany because of the, uh, the they have 230 volts over here. You can build things much smaller without having to worry about heat sinking too much. Um, and so for that reason, you can have like a 20, uh, um, act, uh, a 20 relay actuator for switching that's, you know, about this big, maybe like a, a foot wide, right, for you Americans out there. And that's like, what, 20 something centimeters wide. And um, the lights would be wired into these relay outputs and over the bus signal from the keypads in the wall, it would then say open and open or close relay one or two or three and so on and so forth. And that would essentially turn the light on or off without having to really break power to it going through the walls. Now, from my point of view, and just to say, I mean, that's just for switching. Then you have dimming actuators and you have all these different standards for different types of lights and so on and so forth. Um, from my point of view, I really liked this. When I first heard of this, I thought to myself, what a fantastic idea. Um, my father, he had uh, leukemia in his uh, late 30s, early 40s, years back, uh, back when it was actually very strange to get leukemia when you're about 40 years old. Nowadays, it seems to be a very normal thing. He got it around 99, I think, 2000. And um, 
he worked in a, he was a pastry chef and his uh, building that he had worked in was right beside uh, the hydro wires, the, the hydro field, right? The electrical wires um, running through the city. And uh, the doctors assumed, you know, when he was sick that he probably got it from being exposed to so much uh, electromagnetic radiation um, while working under stress and not sleeping properly and having a shit diet because he's a pastry chef to begin with. And uh, that being said, I thought the idea of actually not having a, a cage of high voltage wires running around you in all your walls and all your ceilings to be actually a really good idea. I thought that it makes a lot of sense that you minimize that. You, you pull the wires from the lights directly to the distribution panel and then in the walls you only have low voltage bus systems. That's like a 29 volt system that uh, communicates uh, to all the different devices in the home. And the devices are built in a modular sense I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and cut off on the technical stuff because I have a feeling that people are just going to start tuning out like Madeline over here. <laughs> no, no, I'm listening. <laughs> uh, and, and, and the point is, is that um, this system, this bus system that allows us to centrally then from one button that you could then put in, you know, in the front of your house by your door or by your bed with one button, instead of being able to only turn off that light that's, that that's wired to, you can now have a button that says, all the lights in your house are off and that's the way it's programmed, right? Or you can have another button that says all the lights in this room on or off or just the ceiling light dim up and dim down and so on and so forth. And it's a fantastic idea. I, I, I like it's, it's, it's interesting. I saw a building over here in Germany about uh, seven years ago and um, it was one of the most primitive smart home systems that I've ever seen. It was literally these <laughs> huge transformers like we're talking bricks and these and these wires and these huge motors and everything and and it was so old school that they get like i can't imagine this was uh, um, in potsdam not too far from where we live right now and it was unbelievable this thing must have been built in the 60s that someone really went out of their way to say I want my lights to be turned on and off centrally and I don't give a fuck how it's done and like that and and it, so it was crazy right uh, but uh, we've come a long way since and the reason why I express this is because the idea of pulling out your phone or talking to your walls or uh, the you know anybody from outside being able to hack into your house and start controlling all of your stuff or any of those movies that you've seen where the guy pulls out his crappy little tablet and starts connecting to the city grid at any building he wants and turning everything on and off, it's horseshit. It's not like that. It really isn't. And it's very simply not like that because... Um, well, City Grid, I don't know. I don't have experience with that. Maybe it's like that with them. Who knows? But with the with 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 the home automation and the and this typical building automation, it's a it's it's a it's a bus system that is closed in in that building, right? And the only way that you can go from that bus to any other device, such as an IP device, you'd have to build a physical bridge, meaning you'd have to put a physical piece of hardware in there that goes from IP to the bus system and back and forth. Meaning that in that point, at that point, once that's done, then you could program a, a separate system that says this value in the IP world is equal to this light in this room. And then you can have your phone and then you can turn that light on or off with your phone and start to get uh, closer and closer to that world of Iron Man. But, uh, and, and the same thing goes for all the the voice communication stuff, a lot of that stuff is also just IP um, commands being tunneled uh, over a bridge that goes uh, into a bus system. The reason why I say that is because I've had customers, and I'm going to get to this uh, more into another episode, um, who really, they call me and they say, hey, this system sucks. My my smart home isn't working. I said, okay, well, let's, let's back up for a second what you think is a smart home. And Tell me what's not working. He's like, I pulled my phone out and nothing happens. And I said, okay, well, your phone's a network device, so let's first look at your network. I show up at his place and it was, yeah, it clearly messed around with his network and it wasn't communicating to the bus system anymore. But all the keypads in the walls and everything in the building was still working just <laughs> as it should be. And there's the big misconception right there is I think that all the typical centralized lighting system is, and this goes for blinds, this goes for heating and uh, you know air conditioning and all that stuff. Um, all it really is is a, a bus system that is wired differently. Um, you know, in comparison to a conventional system, it's a bus system that's wired in a certain way so that we can talk to devices directly from a bus system via relays 
end of story. You know, when we talked when we talk about heating devices, it's a bit different because then we have to go through usually also a type of gateway to talk to the heating device depending on what it is. But that's it. So I talked for a little while, and for all of you people out there, I I I, I don't know if I kind of went too much into the tech stuff. Uh, let me know. If that be, then uh, ask questions and I'll answer them. The big misconception, you know, what what is the benefit of having this in our life? I think mm. that's the first thing to answer. Right? And yeah, I think I just thought about this when you said, you know, is the misconception that you prepare for something and obviously it's not happening. That wouldn't work in nature. I just thought about, you know, if, if an animal is adapting to something that's not there or it won't happen, then this adaptation is not useful and obviously that animal or that plant will die. So I just see that in nature, um, that, that won't just happen, you know, <laughs> these kind of kind of well, things, or the, at least um, it won't, it wouldn't persist in, in for many generations. Right. Because, yeah. So these misconceptions might happen by accident, but they wouldn't be able to persist over a longer, longer time. Yeah, well, um, the, going back to the heart of smart home stupid people, is it is it real or is it possible that um, we are losing the ability to take care of ourselves because we are entrusting uh, too many things, you know, in, in in into the hands of something else? And that being said, as I mentioned, with the simple, in my point of view, simple uh, lighting system that is bus um, controlled. Yeah, in the past, you used to be able to call, you know, John Doe electrician who could come over and rewire something in your house, and that was the end of it. He'd fix your light, he'd fix your switch, and that was the end of it. Nowadays, yeah, we have more choices, we have more ability uh, to expand. But when something goes wrong, you don't just call the electrician, you call the programmer and maybe even uh, uh, an engineer, or, or you have to call the company that sold the equipment to the the programmer or to the electrician because the electrician will often say i just installed the stuff if that breaks that's your warranty and this is this is now where we're getting into that that dangerous territory where okay me as a consumer i no longer have the ability to maintain autonomy over what's actually going on in my house because there are so many different third parties working at the same time and for that reason i i, I can't really if, if something breaks, I really don't even know where to begin. Who do I talk to? What do I do? And this is that big question is that, is it worth it? Is it worth, uh, is it actually bringing value to my life? Is it making my life easier? Is the technology actually technology in the sense of, is it useful mm. in my life, right? Is, is, it, is, it, is, it making, is it making my life easier to the point where I can now focus on other things? Yeah. Right? I've seen I've seen husband and wife divorce because they because <laughs> because their because their bus system their their smart home doesn't work the way that they wanted. <laughs> they both had different <laughs> ideas as to how it should work, and they got into so many fights that that marriage was over. You know, there there, there goes the question. You know, like maybe the marriage was actually over to begin with, and, and that was just the final straw. But the the this is this is a this is an important thing. You know, when. Engaging in something. I think it's important to understand your scope. I think it's under, important to understand what you want. You know, a lot of people consume electronics today. They consume information in the form of politics uh, that is then, you know, they then come to the, uh, to the technician or they come to the biologist and say, hey, um, you know, help me realize my 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 vision of of whether it be this this uh, view that i want to reinforce and and, and and or or this this lifestyle that i'd want to um realize you know uh, because because i've seen it on the tv i've seen it in the movies and i know that when my friends come over and they see it at my place <laughs> they're going to say oh he's got that thing that they have on the tv and in the movies right <laughs> And it's kind of the same thing also in the biology world in the sense that yeah. um, people often have opinions on what nature should or shouldn't be. I mean, Madeline works in an NGO, so unfortunately she has to do a lot with – she has a lot to do with public relations and trying to get money from people uh, who want to invest in um, not saving the bees but uh, understanding that bees' habitats are being um, – 
really endangered by a lot of big companies that are going around running amok, doing whatever they want, mm. saying that it's in the in the in the guise of uh, of, of of progress and uh, and um, goodwill, so to say, you know. Yeah, yeah, but also even um, further, what what you said about the misconceptions and what you want. Um, so when I was a scientist, after like I started my PhD, and then I also worked as a postdoc, which is part of a scientific education or be, being a scientist. You do research, you write your papers, you publish, and this is like a cycle that you have to go through over and over again. You apply for money, and so I always thought the same thing and now what you said about is that really making your life better back then I had the goal to first you know just get having my PhD because to be honest I didn't really know what any anything else to do after my <laughs> my studies it was clear that I was I liked working with animals I liked uh, researching and I liked I was interested in research and the, the questions about that. And so I started my PhD and then I realized what it really means. It means that you sit down, you read a lot of publications, a lot of papers, and then you start writing yourself and publishing. And this is a very, it's a very, how you say that, uh, exhausting process. At least it was for me. I didn't expect it to be like that. Mm -hmm. It takes so much time that it is so difficult even to put together a paper with other uh, authors you have to talk to them they all have to agree to the content sometimes you have like 10 people on that thing <laughs> how to how to bring them all together it takes time and uh, also then you you send it to to magazines or to to um, scientific uh, papers or like a yeah ma magazine right mm -hmm. and so you want to have your paper published and it goes to other researchers as a peer reviewer and what I've seen there, I can't even, I don't know where to begin with. And that was really not something I was expecting how that whole thing works. From some, from the same article, I got some people saying this is an excellent, the statistics are absolutely fine, beautiful paper. And at the same, the same paper, they told me this is absolutely crap. <laughs> so I was like, how does that go together? Like this, the same scientist, and maybe we can we can actually refer a little bit to your story. Like we saw three different doctors, and the last doctor told us that you know three different doctors, five different opinions, and it was right. Everyone told us something else, and that's how, what I experienced in the scientific world. They all told me something different. How I yeah. should should. And in, in this case, we're talking about my, uh, my yeah the, the accident. Uh, they, they, a couple of them were trying to push the idea of surgery onto me, and I don't think it's necessary at all. Um, I've broken my bones before, and I've broken my collarbone before, so I'm, I'm, I understand. I understand the anatomy of this area, and I don't think it was necessary to go under the knife. Yeah. But when you're talking to a surgeon, what else is he going to give you? Right. <laughs> it's his job, right? It's his job. I mean, he knows surgery, and that's that's about it. He's not going to talk to you about like physiotherapy or health or yeah. anything like that. But nobody told me how to hold my arm or how to sleep or you know what 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 movements to do and what movements to hinder. Um, but nevertheless, it was, uh, it was, a you know, it was a refre refreshing experience, you know, again, <laughs> because, uh, just shows me, you know, you, you, you can't put your trust and faith into somebody else's hands mm. when it really, it, it should be, it should be a decision made by oneself, you know? Um, yeah. And that's absolutely something I gained from all that experience being a scientist. Even, you know, I was, I was young. I was like a young PhD student. I thought I have no idea about all these things. So I trusted a lot my, my, my PhD supervisor in many decisions. And to be honest, I would say 50% of these decisions I could have made better because I was more into the topic. I knew the data much better than he did. Um, I, even though I was not a, you know, statistic brain, <laughs> but I had an idea um, how I would do it. And yeah, well, from then, what you told me, the professor had to like ask you to refresh him what you were what you were, yes. what you were doing every time you talked to him. He, he completely forgot what you were up to. It kind of was right? like that because even though his so name much, was the one on the paper, <laughs> he had so many projects <laughs> going on that he he didn't he was not even sure what we talked about the last time. And when I said you know I did it like this, and he said why did you do like that? And I said because we agreed on that. <laughs> it was his <laughs> so idea. It was your idea. Actually. Yeah, exactly. I would have done it actually differently, and so he for even forgot about it. So I really learned that. Um, you can, you have to rely on yourself in these things, which is not, I don't know, it's it's actually not a nice thing, but also 
there is no one to blame, you mm-hmm. know, for all these things. You are always responsible for all the decisions that you make. And you can't that's say it, it was it. his fault or it was her fault. Um, at the end, it's it's your work, whatever. We don't, It's it doesn't need to be like a PhD. It's just, you know, just my story. But whatever you mm-hmm. do in life, it's your responsibility that things go how it goes. And if you don't like it, then you have to change it and you have to take yeah. responsibility. And if you wake up from a misconception, that's a good thing because now you know that, you know, it's like, it's not yeah. what I expected it to be. So then you can go somewhere else, which I did. I'm not an active uh, scientist anymore, but I'm still interested in in learning well, you still about- are active, but it's just not well, in not the a, classical sense anymore. Yeah, no, I'm yeah. not at the university anymore. I'm not involved in, in research and really publishing. I still have data from my rabbits that uh, eventually I want to put into papers, but it's nothing that I really need to do in order to, you know, make money <laughs> and push my career. Uh, because it's it's a very hard it's a very hard environment and for me once I realized that I I felt like this is not for me it's mm-hmm. it's just not for me yeah. yeah all right then well um I think actually uh, for the next episode or one of the future episodes upcoming the topic of autonomy and sovereignty mm-hmm. is a really good topic because I think that this. This, to me, it, it fuels a lot of the reasons as to why we build any of these things to begin with or why we learn any of these things to begin with and why we do the things that we do. So I think that would actually be a really cool topic for the future. Yeah, I think it's also that's what what's uh, fascinating about other living beings that I would say they are, you know, like wilderness and, and they're free. They are uh, I, I have agree. autonomy over themselves in many ways. And yeah. I think this is what we long to in, in many ways to yeah. see how free um, nature is still at many places, right? But it's, right? Or also how it takes its freedom back. Even if you push it into, you know, a city, you still find plants or animals at places where you would never expect them to be. Yeah. I remember when I was younger, um, you know, growing up in the 90s, hearing like every couple of years, it was like, oh, it turns out that everything that we knew was wrong again. <laughs> and there is life at the bottom of the ocean or yeah. there there is the potential for something amazing happening on one of the moons of, uh, of, of Saturn or Jupiter or something going on in Antarctica where we're thinking that was supposed to only be a bunch of ice. And uh, it really got, or, 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 or creatures existing in volcanoes or bacteria <laughs> existing in sulfuric uh, acid, practically. Uh, it, so it's, it's actually really fascinating to see that uh, we've gone from thinking that we have to look for life to it's very difficult to find somewhere where there isn't life. You know, the absence of life is actually very difficult to come across. Yeah. And that really goes to show you as well. You know, if you look internally, look inside your body, you'll, you'll, you'll see that you or we are not just ourselves we are um we're a collective right in the sense that uh, our body is billions of bacterias and cells and viruses and whatever you know working uh working together or against one another it's this big battleground inside of us right and we tend to believe that we're the orchestrator of this whole chaos that we call our own body to a degree we are but I think a lot of us, we lose that connection mm-hmm. and we uh, cease to be the orchestrator uh, of our own organism, right? And well, you just see, you know, uh, each time you have a um, flu or something, how quick that, <laughs> that that illusion goes away that you are the dominator of your own body. Your well, body does what, what it, it, it needs to do, right? Yeah. And it's nothing you can really do or just, you know... Well, yeah, we have all these yeah. uh, uh, autonomic systems. For example, we get we get fevers, we burn that crap off. Uh, <laughs> I break my shoulder, my shoulder swells up. Is that also maybe that's also you know? a topic for one of the next episodes? That I would say many of these, you know, uh, feedback systems and in, in technical true. stuff is actually a replication of what's going on in our body. I know there are a lot of feedback systems and it's very complicated, actually. I would also say we have like a, you know, uh, a smart body. (laughs) Absolutely. I would say that I've heard said a few times that you have the very large and the very small. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about the large, we're talking about the macro scale. We're talking about universes and galaxies. Um, when we're talking about the micro scale, we're talking about subatomic physics and particles and all that stuff. And even, you know, the tiny things that we just imagine, um, quarks and so on and so forth. 
But then in the middle somewhere, we have the incredibly complex. And that's us. We are the most complicated thing in the universe that we know of. And that's an amazing thing because we try to model a lot of everything around us off of ourselves in the same in the same sense, uh, you know, uh, God built in his image. We do as well. We build things in our own likeness all over the place. The, you know, whether it be how we build a lawnmower <laughs> or or how we uh, how we build a program. It's 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 a reflection of what we see as as a connection to the world and the universe. I heard a great story a while back, and it's as following that um, you can um, try to make a field be the best field, mm-hmm. right? It's kind of, I don't know, I'm going to butcher this. It's, it's like a bad proverb that I'm just going to butcher. Uh, you could try to make a field the best field, you know, the healthiest field. Mm-hmm. And so you think to yourself, okay, well, the field has all this grass on there and we, you know, it's going to be nice and healthy and it's going to have diversity and there'll be insects and there's going to be a bunch of stuff and it's going to be great. You're going to have, um, you're going to require, you know, sunlight. You're going to require nitrogen uh, or nitrate and so on and so forth. You're going to require water. And then you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, obviously you're going to require cross-pollination. You know, all the flowers and and all the little bushes and everything like that in this big field, they have to, in order to procreate, they, they, they require a bit of assistance. So you get all these insects and all that, so on and so forth. So... What we've done is we've taken all the big animals off of the field. So we think, okay, well, they're trampling the field. We don't like that because they're killing stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, they're pushing it all down. So we uh, we take them off the field. And then the field, uh, you know, it, it needs a little bit of work. So we start uh, trimming it and we start watering it. And then, then, and then some bugs come along. So we start throwing down pesticides, mm-hmm. right? And then we realize the pesticides are killing some of the nice plants. So we genetically modify the, pen- the pesticides in order to kill the good, pl- the, the plants that we like and to, pre- to preserve the good plants, right? Um, and let's, let's fast forward, you know, now we're into the world of, uh, of, of, Bio of bio what, 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 what biochemistry, right? And so now we're building organic uh, machinery, right? We're building machines that uh, can simulate all the different things that this that this uh, that this uh, um, valley requires in order to have nice biodiversity and sustainability mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. We tell all the people they can no longer go there. We tell them they have to stay at home. That they have to live somewhere else because their presence is damaging. I'm of the opinion that eventually, if you play it forth long enough and our technology gets good enough, we'll maybe come to the point where we'll be able to technologically recreate the cow. (laughs) Because the cow is the perfect fucking thing that should have just been on that field to begin with. Mm -hmm. Because he would have been grazing, you know, he would have created the manure, he would have created the bacteria, he would have been trampling it down so that when it rains that the nitrogen sticks to the bottom. Um, and I think that's one of these big lessons in the sense that had we just not touched it to begin with yeah, yeah. and just allowed the animals to graze and allowed them to be fruitful in their own right, you know, to, to grow to their own levels, um, that field would have been healthy. And, uh, it's, it's, a uh, maybe I, I butchered a little bit in the way that I want to kind of like close it up <laughs> uh, into a nice story. But the, the, the point that I'm getting at is that it seems to me that what we're trying to do today is to bio is to technologically recreate a lot of the things that already exist in tech in, in nature yeah, yeah. but our technology is so inferior to nature yeah it's so kind of inferior. like trying to outsmart nature but it, it it's just not working because with our logical um brain we can't grasp all these different aspects and that's something i really focus on my my second book now with the stress aspect that we you know even if you want to make a decision how you do your decisions is it very logical this like logical decision making with your brain and you start thinking about all these aspects you know it's like maybe you make a list this is pro this is contra i need this i need that blah 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 blah, blah. and then you still decide differently because your feeling your gut feeling says or your heart says something else and that's how i see it with nature we can you know nature is that feeling that instinct that knows all these things at the same time and bring everything into uh, into the perspective that we can't grasp with our logical um, logical mind, yep. and that's something that I more and more learned the last years. Being coming from a very logical orientated trade as a scientist, where there is no space for intuition <laughs> and feeling Crazy. and empathy, even even empathy. Uh, 
in, it was all just just very logical driven and now I'm shifting even more to the other side where I'm very intuitive I think I also said that in the first episode and it feels very natural to me I think this is how also nature works and if you look at an animal the way they they move the way they behave it's very intuitive and you see that they make decisions so precise the way they hunt the way they behave and even mm -hmm. start um You know, when it becomes winter, they start to having foraters, uh, like make preparations and all that, that you would yeah. ask yourself, you know, such complex systems, how how could have to just oh, come yeah. out of, you know? So for me, it's it's incredible to see how nature works. And we even don't know, I would say maybe one percent. I don't know. <laughs> we don't we, we only know one percent or something. You no, know, there's so much we don't know about. And we try to 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 be better than than yeah. the rest uh, organisms and we just don't know so for all That's of you that, for all of you guys out there phd biologist says that we maybe know one percent of nature well i don't, I don't know <laughs> <laughs> that might i wouldn't you know i wouldn't uh, wouldn't sign that but i know it's 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 not much um that we really the more we, we research the more, the more that we can see you know like that we don't know when we started looking into genetics and really discovering cells and all that it was a huge new universe and opening up another universe and i think mm -hmm. that's still still going on there's so many things we don't understand yet that we there is a nice saying i think it was uh, a nice scientist that you know one little uh, boy he can trample a buck but there are no scientists on that earth who can remake that buck um because we just don't know how all these things work and no. yeah so and even if we did what would like i think that knowing is one thing yeah But I don't see the necessity in needing to yeah, control and recreate things at will for the sake of controlling and recreating and even, things at will. Even right? knowing, why would we need to know all these things? What is the purpose of knowing all this? Is it because we want to manipulate? That's why we mm. want to know? Or is it because we're just a very curious species? <laughs> and uh, I think there's that is, there's nothing against knowing and researching. It's a big part of being yeah. human and the human uh, yeah, curiosity. But why why would we yeah for what purpose and i think you can use it in many different ways to destroy or to mm. you know enhance the knowledge and yeah well that, that's interesting for me uh one of the big reasons i like to learn about anything oh my phone's beeping <laughs> uh, it's a live stream so uh one of the reasons why i like to learn anything whether it be something scientific by a lot biology chemistry or even programming and technology, it's actually inevitably for me a way to reconnect to reality. Yeah. As weird as it may sound when I start throwing in the words like the words like technology, I still I explained this in the last episode. I can go I could touch on it lightly again, that to me technology is not exclusively microchips, right? Technology is nothing more than something that we have that enriches our lives that we create, right? As a tool. Mm. That's it, right? Um, and we, we, we're going to do episodes in the future where we talk about biology and technology, and you wouldn't believe the things that like little animals and bacteria <laughs> are, are, are creating out there. It's, it's amazing. Uh, and, and, and as she was talking about before, you know, um, animals, single-cell organisms, they have so much forethought into the way that they conduct themselves, you know? Like it's, it's, it's uncanny, Uh, this is where that, that 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 where we now talk about um, how do you go from chemical to code, right? Mm. How do you how do you go from a puddle of of goo to intelligence <laughs> to us sitting here? Yeah, but but it's it's uh, I recently also um, read that if you were to take if you were to damage a part of our our genetics, you know, uh, and we're, I don't want to go too much into genetics, but if you were to damage a part of our genetics and Our, our our DNA strand cannot reproduce itself until it's whole again, right? Uh, the DNA. Yeah. In order for it to reproduce a, a new uh, mitosis. Yeah. Yeah. It needs to be complete. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. in order, so if it's damaged because of radiation or whatever the case may be, there's something really amazing that our DNA can do. And that is it can say, this part's missing, let's recreate it. Yeah. And that, the way, the metaphor that I heard, uh, this is now something else that I heard that uh, was on a, a radio program a while back, and it's a great analogy for, for what I've learned in the past, is that when 
when you take a book, like 700 pages, and you just rip a few pages out. Mm-hmm. And then you go to a, a really good writer or a publisher, not a publisher, uh, like a editor. A editor, there you go. And uh, my beer is working. Uh, <laughs> you go to a really good editor and you say, hey, editor, I'd like you to rewrite this book, mm-hmm. transcribe it, put it in a different language, do whatever it is that you do. But I want you to make a copy of this book. And there are a few pages missing. So I want you to read through it from beginning to end thoroughly and just imagine and, and recreate what those pages should be. Mm-hmm. That's what our genetics do. Yeah, it's good comparison, actually. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's what True. plant genetics do. That's what the genetics of everything on this planet does. Uh, from all the dumbest little things that you would ever think <laughs> to the smartest things and the stupidest people you've ever met. Inside of us, this happens, and it happens effortlessly. And as I mentioned before, how we went from like simple amino acids being struck by lightning, supposedly— to being able to have this complex code, as I mentioned before, with bus co- programming, the, the bus automation system we use to like turn lights on and off is nothing in contrast to what DNA is doing with mm-hmm. cross-trekking and saying, hey, are you there? I'm over here. What are you up to? Okay, let's recreate Frank because Frank is gone for some reason. You know, <laughs> th- this kind of stuff is, is, is unreal that this is happening at, a, at, a, at such a small level all over our bodies all the time. Yeah. And it's not just us, like I said. No, Flowers, no. plants, insects. Everything. Everything. This is how life reproduces. And when you look at it at that point of view, it's it's that so I'm getting off on a tangent, but the reason why I say this is not you as a biologist. <laughs> well, I'm saying the knowledge that we learn, to me, that helps me build a reality or, or a connection to it. Yeah. I I I really I was I was taken back, you know, when I started to see a couple of years ago that um the whole smart home industry was kind of going towards, let's make everything IP-based. Let's make everything easy, they say. Let's do this whole um, uh, what, what, internet of things, right? Where everything communicates to one another and we make a standard for it. Holy shit. When I first heard that, I thought to myself, why? You know, I, I understand it from a, point of, from a tiny point of view, but from a, from a technical point of view, the problems and the and the unnecessary problems that the average person will never understand is <laughs> is or and and at that point like just opening up all the floodgates thinking yes yeah, eventually water will get through uh, that that's that's how i felt about that when i thought to myself the the lighting system's great on its own don't don't fuck around with it just leave it be hmm. so uh anyway um I didn't should... really understood that last part. <laughs> I know I'm slurring a little bit right now. The, oh, okay. uh, the uh, before we started, I had another, I had like a liter of beer before uh, <laughs> you know, because we went out with friends. No, and... what just, just maybe also for other for, um, for everyone is listening. Like, what does that mean? It's, it went through the internet. So that what I'm saying is, is that over the last couple of years, there has been a big push to take uh, the bus system. Originally, with the the smart home was originally just a bus system that was used to control lights and heating and blinds and so on and so forth. And there's been a really big push over the last five to seven years to create this new standard, which they're calling Internet of Things, Mm -hmm. which is forcing everything that's creating, not forcing, but everything needs to have an IP protocol. Oh, okay. Meaning (laughs) that you buy your toaster and and it touches into Wi-Fi. Okay. You know, and... Or you buy your 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 refrigerator or your laundry okay. machine, ah, and, so and and then you could do dumb things like when your laundry milk. machine's done, the light upstairs blinks and all that stuff. <laughs> now it sounds like I say dumb from my point of view. It sounds from the consumer point of view, great. Oh yeah, the light's gonna blink and I'll know that the stuff is done. But from a from a realistic point of view, what's going on in the background to make that happen is one, it's not only so inefficient and so vulnerable to so many errors, whether it be, you know, firmware garbage, com- companies going down, you're leaving huge doors open in your in, into your home to allow other companies in. Most mm-hmm. of these things only communicate over Wi-Fi. They don't communicate over Ethernet cables. A lot of these things don't have Ethernet jacks anymore. And this is a big thing, you know, I didn't really want to get into today, but I'm Madeline has known me for years. I'm very much not a fan of anything wireless. Wireless technology to me is... Um, an emergency or something that you can use for a short period of time for a specific cause 
that you could then turn off when you're done with it. And it's not something that you rely on or that anything that's important. Like here I have a wireless mouse. It's actually the first wireless mouse I've ever owned in my life. All my mouses have been wired. For the system that we're using right now, um, it, the, the actual computer is so far away that uh, pulling an optical cable to my mouse was not a really interesting idea for this. So therefore the wireless mouse is nice for the one hour that we do this episode. Mm -hmm. And then we turn it off and it's done. It's a one-to-one -one communication. It doesn't have to go through a bunch of protocols and, 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 and uh, you know, tunnels in order to communicate to what it's communicating to finished. Um, I've seen people program or I've seen architects design buildings with the idea in mind that the lights are going to be communicating to the keypads via our radio frequencies. Mm. And I, when I see that in a building where they haven't even pulled wires yet, I'm thinking to myself, why would you plan wireless as your go-to thing? Like that, that, you know, when you have the ability to pull a wire at a very low cost and, and, and little things like that to me are just crazy. So I think I, I went off onto a <laughs> tangent there, but that's kind of what I was talking about. It's also <laughs> maybe a part of misconception that... Uh, it is. Yeah. It is. I mean, people think that, okay, there are no wires, so therefore it's easier. Mm. It's the opposite. It's, it's, it, yeah. we live in a digital, it, we live in, in, in an electromagnetic soup. Try any of you guys out there who have ever had to go to a trade show, right? where every booth has one or two or three, depending on what type of trade show you're at, uh, um, wireless repeaters, you'll know what I'm talking about. You'll know that you can't use any of your devices anymore when you're in a hall where the walls are made of concrete and steel and every booth, we're talking hundreds of them, has a, two to, you know, has, has a couple wireless devices. Uh, and, and, and then it gets to this point where the, the frequencies are bouncing off the walls and, and just creating all of these harmonics inside the hall. And all of a sudden, nothing works. And I've, I've seen that so many times. And so the solution is, let's, let's just pump up the frequency, right? This is where <laughs> this whole five gigahertz and six gigahertz shit is coming from in the last couple of years because uh, I remember being at trade shows in Amsterdam back in 2013 where nothing worked mm -hmm. and everybody wanted to demo their amazing new wireless technology and nothing worked, <laughs> right? So uh, I've seen that happen on job sites. I've seen people put wireless stuff in it works, and then they move in with all their other wireless garbage, and nothing works, or something is constantly, you know, hiccuping and not working properly. So that's that misconception that what makes what the way things should be is not really the way thing, or the way people perceive things to be is not the way it really truly is. And whether it be due to a complex or a simple form of ignorance, that's always debatable. Um, I just think that unfortunately in the society that we live in today, it's going more and more and more towards complex ignorance. It's no longer just as simple as I can't speak Chinese because I don't have that program. You know, it, it's more like, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> it's too much. Talk to Frank because he knows what he's talking about. And then you go to Frank and he doesn't know what he's talking about. It's a, it's, that's a very complicated form of ignorance that I tend to see more and more mm. in today's world. So, anything we wanted to uh, say before wrapping up? Misconceptions. I don't know. You I look tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sorry. It's like a, 11 p.m. for I us, and a, she's usually so asleep by now. I had a rough week as well. <laughs> we got rid of, uh, we didn't get rid of, I don't want to use no. that word, but uh, we had five kittens, and the last two went to their final, um, not to their final, I don't, yeah, hopefully let's say final. Yeah, they went I'm to their home, sure. their, 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 their new home their today. Their new home today, and yeah, so the last two is was emotional for me and still is. <laughs> you know, you get used to these little fluffy things. Like you, you, <laughs> you've met them when they they were born on our sofa, right? And we helped them a little. Um, so, and since then they were just with us. So it's maybe because I'm also you know female having these uh, maternal <laughs> feelings. Yeah, they were fun well. to have around, but they're also annoying. So it's nice to. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's not. It's it's nice to not have seven cats in the house. That's anymore. true. It was a little too much. It was the last too much. And now they're, we only have two left and they're outside. So yeah, they're happy. Exactly. So, Smart Home Stupid People, yeah. episode two, Misconceptions. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, for any suggestions or uh, show ideas, what's the best way for anybody to get a hold of us? 
yeah. We haven't we haven't done anything. Like we haven't made a website. We just decided that this will be a cool platform to do anything. Leave a comment. You know, I mean, uh, yeah. I'll be checking in on uh, Rockfin and Rumble, DLive and Twitch. I'm not too uh, well versed in. Um, you could always go to info at madelinesieger.com. Yeah, also my website, uh, madelinesieger. Yeah, .com. Um Or for me, biomusicproductions.com, and then you can get a hold of me. Also, if you're interested in the work that I'm doing, uh, my book uh, is actually available in English. It's no silence in nature. No, no, no silence? <laughs> Nature's never silent. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say. <laughs> That's too late. That's backwards. Yeah, yeah. Nature's never silent. So it's available in English, actually. Yeah. If you're interested in and want to, you know, read a bit more about my research with the rabbits. Yeah. All right. Next time we'll put up some pictures and we'll put up some links. Yeah. Um, we're getting there. I think... Uh, Sure. The introduction for this episode today was a little bit weird. I must say that that we had, yeah, <laughs> I liked fun, it. I liked it too. The 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 five minutes, uh, you know, um, precursing uh, our our live stream. It was nice, but the one thing that was a little bit weird. I think the music was a bit too. Uh, I don't know if it worked. It was a bit spacey. It was a bit spacey. Yeah, I'll have to find something else. Yeah. Yeah, that was something old that I made, and I wasn't sure if it fit, so we just threw it in there for today. So we had something. Yep. All right, everybody out there, have a very nice night. Have a very nice day. We will see you next week. Smart and stupid people. Until